Hey, what's up, Simultaneous Catchers? This is Adam here. I wanted you to know I spent a lot of time editing this episode. I had some issues with our buddy Ian's audio who joined the episode today, and I was able to enhance his audio enough so that you can still hear him. You might have to listen to the episode a little bit louder, and then I tried to bring down Josh and I's voices a little bit as well. You can still hear everything in the episode. It's great stuff. Ian was a phenomenal guest. We were blessed to have him on the show. I think he had some great insight about the Pittsburgh Steelers and just everything happening in the NFL right now. We're Hopeful that we can have him on again another time this season. But I just wanted to let you know that there may be times where you have to turn the audio up just a little bit to make sure you catch what Ian's adding. It's all gold stuff. And then near the end, there's a few dropouts, but uh, I don't think that they're that noticeable because I was able to sort of mix together some of my audio track and Josh's as well. Uh, Thank you to all of you for continuing to support the podcast. It means everything to Josh and I. And here is... Week three of Simultaneous Catch. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal! Rainbows high and deep into the end zone, and it is caught! Caught, caught for a touchdown! A leaping touchdown catch! Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We're seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome in to Simultaneous Catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. I'm Josh Lapping. And we have a third guest, Ian. How are we doing? Guys, really happy to be here. Heck yeah, and you are, you're making some history here. You're going to be our first full-time guest that's yes. talked exclusively that's football. That's true. Wow. That's true. We've had, we've had guests in person before, but we've never had uh, anybody that was in for a full episode talking, talking the whole way so well that's nah doesn't matter we well, have but extra special then it was a romance episode that's true but that was a fun episode i like that episode wait that's not this episode too. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> there was an old uh, show we used to listen to on the radio called love line i don't know if you ever listened to it but we used to joke that we would be really good at it and it was like people would call in with like questions about dating and relationships and so, at the end of one of our episodes, a couple times we used to do like simultaneous sketch love line, and we had a guest on where we talked about relationships and football, which are the same thing. They certainly can be. That's very true. Sure. Uh, Ian, why don't you uh, introduce yourself real quick? Um, Ian is a Steeler fan. You can talk a little bit about why you're a Steeler fan and history with that. Um, and yeah, anything you want to share before we get the episode stoned? Uh, yeah, uh, big time Steeler fan. I, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm from South Florida, so you think I'm a Dolphins fan. And 
I'll root for them secretly sometimes, <laughs> except against the Steelers. But yeah, uh, my, my family grew up in Pittsburgh, so uh, my mom used to raise us to uh, go to church, come home, and watch Pittsburgh Steelers football, and she taught me everything there is to know about football. That's really cool. I You know, I don't know of almost anybody else that has a story like that where it's like, my mom's the one that taught me, to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, not to say that, obviously I know plenty of women who are very big sports fans and football fans, but I don't know of anybody's moms that are the ones that taught them about football. Yeah, it's either uh, between that or, you know, being an actor and a football lover at the same time. Those are also pretty rare. <laughs> sure, and now there's three of us right here <laughs> in this room. Well, we're super excited to have you, so we will certainly get into your Pittsburgh Steelers here shortly. But uh, Let's open up with our friend's fortune reaction. You said you got yours really wrong. Very wrong. So yeah. what was yours? So I actually told Ian this on Saturday. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, my prediction was that in the Pittsburgh-New England game, there was going to be 13 total sacks. Holy moly. Yeah. Came in with a total of three. <laughs> Just uh, not quite. And the scoreline doesn't really suggest that, but yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, my friend's fortune was multiple quarterbacks would have five or more touchdown passes. Um, and Tua had six, and then a handful of quarterbacks came in with four. So I didn't quite get there. And, I, you know, obviously the, the Monday night game was a route, and it was exciting for Buffalo. Allen threw four. There was a part of me that was quietly hoping he would just, like, throw a random one that was like, here's a check down, and they took it the whole way. Oops, we scored again. But didn't happen yeah that's all right it's fine no well, that was uh, i i do tip my cap to you i feel like that is a very good one that came very very close i like that one yeah so uh i'm up one nothing on the season but josh is up like 10 to 3 all time <laughs> it's very insane uh anyway let's get right into some rant rave recall i'm gonna start off this time uh because i'm gonna talk about a much maligned player that i think gets too much flack for his play, and Josh is going to like this. I'm going to rave about Carson Wentz here for a second. Because people will get all over him, and yes, they lost the game uh, this weekend, and he started off very slow, and that was a big thing, right? And our our friend at the theater, Scott, is a Washington fan, and he was like, oh, Wentz, this is the reason we lost. I don't think he is. I think there's a lot of other reasons, including the defense was not that great. Um, But Carson Wentz, Here's a stat. First quarterback since 1950, which is the first year they started tracking quarterback stats, to throw for 300-plus yards with three-plus touchdowns and his first two starts with a team. Period. So Carson Wentz uh, tied for the league league in touchdown passes with seven uh, with Tua Tungo-Vailoa, Josh Allen, and I believe one other quarterback that I'm missing. But he's been awesome. I mean, he threw the two picks in the first game, and obviously that kept the other team in it for a little while, but... Ended up with four total touchdowns, two to Jahan Dotson, and then three this weekend again, two more to Jahan Dotson, our PSU guy. I just think, and I know, uh, did you, Josh, did you rant about Jim Irsay in an earlier episode for this year yet? Uh, I don't think I ever did it on okay. air. So Josh has this thing about Jim Irsay. I don't know, Ian, if you heard about Irsay being all over the fact that he really didn't like Carson Wentz, but he said some... Really stupid things about Carson Wentz well, and not, getting rid of him. Not only did he say stupid things, I don't care. I don't mind, I should say, if when you finally move off Wentz, you're like, we made a mistake with the trade. Sure, that's fine. It's fine. But then there were two other times that he came out and specifically just threw Wentz under the like bus. Like doubled and tripled down. And yeah, it was it was pretty And stupid. then I was like, okay, let's and now stop being a broken teenage. Now the, the Colts are 0-1-1. One and, one, and while the Commanders didn't win this weekend, they're 1-1. One one. Carson Wentz has been great and massively better than Matt Ryan. 
So that's I'm I'm ra- giving a little rave to Carson Wentz. I like your take on Carson Wentz. Actually, he's you know he gets a lot of flack, but he's actually been one of my uh, favorite players to watch throughout the years. Ooh. Back on the Eagles and then the Colts and now obviously the Commanders. And I actually wrote him down this week as a quarterback pickup. I mean, it, to go off of you, seven touchdowns in two weeks, six hundred fifty yards, yep. and he has one of the highest completion percentages at sixty five point five percent in two weeks. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm putting in a claim for Carson Wentz in the eight leagues that Trey Lance got hurt. So. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be a good pickup. I like that. Anyway, that's my rate. <laughs> uh, so I have a recall, and this isn't any kind of fancy, special, really thought out recall, but just last week when we were talking, we were talking about the Seattle-Denver game, and I was talking we to you about the clock mismanagement, and I was I just completely quoted it wrong oh okay uh, the situation that you painted was the correct where they had okay. 30 seconds okay. left where i thought they had more time which probably makes it even worse in my opinion but i did think i do want to get ian to if he has something to add to this segment I definitely want to hear what he has to say but it just makes me think that clock management was also called into question this past weekend while they were home the fans famously counting down the play clock and for them and whatnot so do you think this is uh, – I'll throw a mini cold read out real quick for you guys. Obviously, it's his second game as a head coach. Russell Wilson's new to the system, everything. But is this something to watch? Like are we worried about clock management with the Broncos or are they still just gelling? You know, it's funny you bring this up because one of the things I wrote down is, uh, is Hackett the new Nagy? Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which would have been my cold, uh, cold read for you all. Uh, you know, when we could talk about clock management – I can't have these headphones on because hearing my voice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Actors. Uh, talking about clock management, it's so easy for us to sit at home, I've come to realize, and just look at the clock, look at the play clock. That's a really good point. We're at our home, under our blanket and everything. On the field, you know, you got guys yelling at you, you got crowd noise, you got headphones on, and I can't imagine how difficult it is. However, week after week, when you're paid a lot of money, it, that's when it starts to get to be a concern. Yeah, and I I said this on the show, and I said this to you too. They're all new. The whole staff almost is brand new to their position, right? And so they're learning how to do their jobs on the fly along with a lot of these other aspects. So I do think this is going to be a continuing issue for the season. Now, the hope is eventually they learn, things get better, right? But I do think this is going to be an issue for them because I do not see this Denver team blowing a bunch of teams out. Sure. I think they're going to be in a lot of close games. They were last year too. Even with Drew Locke, they were in a handful of close games that they just couldn't close out, right? And so I think they're going to be with Russell Wilson. The hope is that eventually Hackett learns to be like, oh, yeah, my $250 million quarterback, he could probably win this for me, right? So, yeah, I do. To answer your question, I do think it's going to be a persisting issue. I just, you hope that eventually. You learn from those mistakes, right? Okay. And then I always think of the Madden video games. I mean, we've all probably played <laughs> You think if you're a coach or you're a player, you've also played them. And, like, I can manage a clock just fine in those. We talk, <laughs> honestly, honestly, I one of the big podcasts I listen to, the big Bill Simmons podcast, and then this past on Sunday, he, they literally said on that podcast, he was like, every team needs a teenage boy that's played 10,000 minutes of Madden to clock manage at the end of quarters. Because they said nobody knows how to clock manage better than a teenager who's played too much Madden. <laughs> that's good. But, but to your point, uh, yeah, I think Hackett is on his way to being the new Nagy. Okay. I just Josh and to... I defended Nagy for a long time. I did. I did, like, <laughs> early on. 
but I feel yeah. like that was a true trajectory down. Like, I feel oh like yeah, 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 he just For got sure. progressively worse. Yeah. I'm just, I think I brought it up last week on air, but if not, I'm just, I am weary of Hackett continuing to be the OC while he's also yes. the head coach. We'll see how long it takes him to relinquish play calling duties because some pl- some coaches do it just fine, right? Yeah, but not every coach does it. Obviously, why a lot of coaches don't do it anymore. I mean, even even my team, Sean McDermott, for a while did call plays. And Sean McDermott still actually steps in from time to time and calls a couple of plays in big moments in conjunction with Frazier. But even that's different than Hackett, who is just playing the role of head coach and offensive coordinator basically every right. week. So. Well, we will, we'll see about that. And do you have something that you want to rant or rave or... I was going to say recall, but <laughs> nobody recall knows. Recall opinion you've... that you had put out there publicly. <laughs> so I don't think I completely understood the uh, this segment. So I That's fine. A whole bunch of things. It's okay, man. So I'll just start a few that I'll just bring up a few. Sure. Here. Uh, one thing I love to rave is, uh, did you all know that the Jets, Giants, and Lions all won on the same day since 2011? Oh, it's been see. a long time. I just want to rave that. That's that pretty awesome. Really exciting to see. It was probably more. It's probably the Lions that really screwed that up for the other two. <laughs> but mm, mm. Uh, another thing I want to bring up is uh, 49ers keeping right. Jimmy G and how smart that is. Yeah, we talked about that on our NFC preview episode, and it's funny. I poked my head into Josh's office today, and we briefly talked about this for a second. But I was like, I feel way more confident in the Niners now, which is weird for people who are those of you listeners that. Follow this. I'm the biggest Trey Lance supporter, but there's just something about this stable hand. I know the Niners are going to make the playoffs now. That's really fascinating because you also previously picked the Niners to win the division. I did. Right. Well, so here's the thing. But and now you feel more confident. Yeah. So here's the thing is that I talked about this. There's always there's a boom and bust potential with Lance. With Jimmy G, I don't believe there's any boom potential, but I also don't believe there's any bust potential. I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to be a good team. They're going to win games, and they're going to get into the playoffs, right? With Lance, I was betting on the boom, right? While understanding that the bust is the, – the potential for it is palpable, right? I understand that, but I was betting that he was going to be more boom than bust, right? So I think that eventually he was going to catapult and put them over the top, right? But I with Jimmy G, I don't think that there is any possibility of them going up over the top at all. I just think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I see Jimmy G as, like, vanilla ice cream. Like, it's fine. It goes <laughs> great with things. It's there. And then you add all the other toppings, and it makes it all really good. Uh, Trey Lance was more of an experimental flavor at, at, at Cold Stone or something. Like I that. love Cold Stone. And I personally wasn't a believer in Trey Lance the entire time. I love Trey Lance. And I, I can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but I do know that Jimmy G, based on a certain number of starts, is actually one of the most winningest quarterbacks. Yes, he win- yes, they win games with him, but they can't win Super Bowls with him. And that's why that's what I said on the show is that they're never going to win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. I'll say that right now. I'll make any bet at all that Jimmy G will never win a Super Bowl. Like, I, I just, it's not going to happen. But I'm saying that with Lance, there is at least the potential for that to happen. And while I didn't think it was going to happen right away, I thought eventually it would happen. I like the ice cream comparison that because is. you're right. It's vanilla. It gets the job done. It's good. It's nice. I like it. Lance is like a, a, a parfait where you throw all kinds of add-ons and it's awesome. Maybe give you a stomach ache a little bit later, but it's still awesome, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll go with you on the whole Jimmy G thing, never winning a Super Bowl, but I'll, I'll caveat that and say in San Francisco. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to 
I think if Trent Dilfer, a quarterback that you could even talk about being similar, just the guy that doesn't make the mistakes, if he can win a Super Bowl, anyone can win a Super Bowl. It just depends on how the ball bounces. I'm, okay, so maybe Cam was the wrong word. I don't think it will happen. Okay, well, very. there are a lot of guys that don't win Super Bowl. That's okay. But um, I didn't say it was a crazy. <laughs> I didn't say. I, didn't, I wasn't masquerading that it was just like this bold prediction I was making. I just don't think it's ever going to happen for Jimmy. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's why they traded so much to get Lance. These are smart guys that run this organization. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they weren't going to go out and do all they did to try to get Lance if they believed that Jimmy could do it. We talked about this. I said on the show. For the NFC preview, Jimmy G came one throw away and he couldn't make the throw. He missed the throw. And then I believe that Lance could do it where Jimmy couldn't. That was it. It's that simple. So, yeah, they'll make the playoffs. They can go to the NFC title game. They did it last year. They can go to the Super Bowl. They did it three or four years ago. They're just not going to win it. That's what. That's all. Mm. Well, can I throw in one But more? now Josh yes. just became the biggest Jimmy G 49ers fan because he wants to see it happen just so he can say, I told you so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Please throw someone else out there, yeah. I don't want to see the play. <laughs> Can I throw one more Raven? Sure. Simply because I think this will be fun. Sure. You know, watching the game with you guys yesterday or Sunday. Uh, I'm just going to rave uh, Tom Brady uh, because I, I know how much you dislike him. But I have to say, all my years watching him, which we're, we're very privileged to grow up watching Tom Brady. No, that's very true. But I, all my years watching I believe him, that. anytime you ever think that man is going to lose, he never will. Do not poke the bear. You you pointed that out numerous times on Sunday. You're like, this is still Tom Brady's game to win because it is very Brady-esque, you know, to be within the one-score game if you're tied and just you're not moving the ball. You know Brady's going to move it before the other guy. I know they're 2-0. I know he pulled it out. I have not given up on them falling off. I feel like they are standing on a ledge right now, and all it's going to take is one thing for Brady just to fall. And I know that there's that's the dumbest bet to make because he's never lost that bet no, in his entire forty five years of age, Adam right? Twenty plus year career. Adam but I'm telling you, that twenty plus year there's career just the there's just so much wrong. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm not impressed that you defeated Dallas and New Orleans. I'm not. I'm just not. So when they get crushed by Green Bay this weekend, uh, I'll have a lot of fun on the next episode. All right, me too. All right, transitioning. Let's get into some quick news and notes. Let's get some injury updates. Uh, we'll talk about the Bucks and Cole Beasley signing, um, and then any other things we want to bring up. Uh, the first injury thing I wanted to bring up is updates on Justin Herbert. As far as we know, it's just day-to-day right now. I don't know if you've seen other updates, but uh, they've got a, a big game this weekend against another one-in-one football team, and uh, – if, if he's not out there, I'm not going to bet on Chase Daniel and the Chargers at all. Yeah, you know, it's it, first of all, it's very exciting for me. I have him in two of my leagues. I, <laughs> I invested heavily in the Chargers offense. And, and also, he's very, very quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the league. I've already, I've already liked uh, Eckler on the team, so the Chargers have become a, uh, a nice little secondary team to root for. Sure. You know, and with the Chargers signing Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson over the offseason, it would be a waste if they don't protect Herbert. So That's true. Coach being behind him, saying, he's he's a tough man. He's going to go out there. He's going to play tough and win us games. I'm all about it. But it's because I think they invested something like what seventy six million dollars or something like that in the off season buying these guys to have a stronger defense. 
So I'm hoping he stays healthy. Uh, it, Justin, if you're listening, I really yeah, it still <laughs> says <laughs> it still says day to day. Um, they said it could be a practice this week. Um, it, obviously, if you miss time, it's going to be uh, Chase Daniel. They do play the Jaguars this week. Um, again, who is also a one-on-one team and a surprising one-on-one team for a lot of people. I don't know if the Jack. Anyways, that's not the prompt of the question. I agree, but I think Thursday night last week was a perfect example of just, I mean, Herbert, a lot of people were upset that he even came back in, but I, I do like that Pitbull mentality, the warrior. But I mean, like it just truly is an example of depth of offensive line. Uh, the first half, Corey Lindsay. Lins, Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsley. Lins, thank you. Lindsley was in there in center, and Chris Jones wasn't being talked about at all. And then, for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, he didn't start the second half. And I, that's thought he got when, in, I thought he got injured. I'm sure that's what it yeah, is, but yeah, I just know yeah. he didn't start the second half. And that's when Jones and the defense just absolutely started hitting Herbert right. Very often, very similar spots. Not intentionally. I don't think they're like, oh, we're going to target this. No, they were just getting them. They were just hitting them. And and so, I mean, like, it certainly was alarming the the play where he rolled out and very, I think it was a third and one. And he kind of. Yeah, and it looked like he should have run and could have. And he, that was was a weird play, man. Yeah, I think. But then very shortly after that, he had that. One of the best throws. One of the best throws I've seen. (laughs) And I think he just couldn't breathe. That's um, what I think it was. We're on the top of Herbert, so I'm going to bring this up. This was going to be a cold read. Are we overrating Justin Herbert? No. Because I will say this. Justin Herbert leads the league in pick sixes in the last couple of years, and he also threw a game-losing pick six before he even got injured last week. So I, I'm not saying that Justin Herbert's not great, because I do think he is. I do think he is in the upper echelon, right? But I think people are getting a little out of hand with Justin Herbert because – he hasn't really done anything yet. He's had some really awesome stats, and but he hasn't been in the playoffs. He hasn't had any like major big moments like that or anything. And in a big contest against a division rival, he, th- he lost the game. He's the one that lost the game. I wouldn't even say that I think he lost the game okay. because I think so you, there, there's too much pressure right now to compete with the quote-unquote upper echelon teams in the NFL, in my opinion, the Chiefs, the Bills. Sure, sure. Gerald Everett was calling to come out of the game, and they were saying, no, we need to go fast. We need to go fast. We have momentum. We need to score. Herbert was targeting Everett, who just didn't have his That's a good point. I actually didn't even realize that, but that's a good point. I'm not saying that I am on this debate, but like I've seen a lot of people bring this up. I don't. It feels weird to be like he's overrated, but like be like, but not by much. But I, I think I would say that I think that people are are getting a little out of hand because I haven't heard uh, one person like full on one eighty on Tua beliefs after Tua just crushed it last week. All I've heard from them is they were anybody can hit open receivers. These are easy throws. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, well, Tua's not throwing pick sixes and losing games for his team. So. You know, it's funny because when uh, Herbert was drafted three years ago, they said uh, that he that, that was a stupid draft move. <laughs> the Chargers got a lot it of It was questioned. It was questioned. Extremely questionable. And then he went out and had a great rookie season. Obviously, we know what happened last year. And like he's still doing it this year. Sure. So I, I yeah, don't know I, if he's overrated because he started so underrated. I think he's exceeded Interesting point. That's true. And he just he had an interesting start to his career. I'm just saying. I, I, I I, I had it later, but we were already on the subject, so I wanted to bring it up. I'm, I'm completely in Ian's boat. I, I'm all over 
the Herbert fan train. So anyway, Trey Lance is better. So yeah. moving on. <laughs> The Dolphins. <laughs> Just kidding. If I was the GM of the Dolphins during that draft class, they would have had Herbert. It's I true. Had, in our I mock draft, Miami he had Herbert. he had the Chargers taking Tua and Miami taking Herbert, and it didn't happen. But regardless. Um I just wanted to talk real quick about Cole Beasley to the Bucks. Do we think this is a big deal? Do we not think this is a big deal? This is, in my opinion, you're you're chuckling. I think it's a big deal in the immediate time frame just because the Mike Evans suspension from the Lattimore drama and everything that really is just kind of Tom Brady drama. Um, sure, yeah. We'll have to see the the health of Julio and Chris Godwin, who who very well could play this week, but we'll see probably Julio more so than Godwin. Russell Gage also was a signing I was really excited about in the offseason, but he's hasn't really been... I mean, he was out there last week, but this wasn't... They were going to Scotty Miller instead of Russell Gage. So I think... Right now, this upcoming week, maybe the next two weeks, we could see some Cole Beasley, but I don't think we're going to see when Antonio Brown signed with Tampa and then Brown lit it up. I don't think we see that, but I think for right now, Tom Brady desperately needs not Brashad Perry. <laughs> he, needs, he, needs his, uh, he needs his little... Uh, 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 white yeah, you can say that. There's <laughs> <laughs> little white man checkdowns. There's little Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, right there in the middle of the field. I, you know, I, I think what this pickup does is it says a lot about the injuries. Julio Jones, Godwin, uh, Gage, I, well, Mike, uh, uh, Mike Evans suspension. I think it just they're going to add into the depth, keep the other team a little confused. You know, I, I've, I've always kind of liked uh, Beasley. He's a little guy out there running with big boys. <laughs> Even though he has such a punchable face. I don't know. That's... <laughs> he's a punchable That's person. A I hate to say this, but he's a punchable person. Um, and he was on my team for <laughs> two, three years. So, yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to bring up. I don't know what, what the impact will be. But uh, no. other or do you have other news and notes before we talk well, about So we, we talked about it. We talked more about the Jimmy side of the 49ers than the Lance side. And I yeah, just sure. do think it's worth – I wanted – you had brought up a statement that I stopped you at work because you I was asking or proposing, hypothesizing, what this does for the trajectory of Lance's career. Now, I know you, Ian, said you don't really – never really believed in Lance. I'm kind of in that boat as well. But I think it's very interesting to think about how now he'll be out this year. Mm-hmm. His rookie year, he started a couple games in lieu of an injured Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He didn't, what, he play one game his senior year of college? So we're talking three years out, extensive time playing football. What does that mean to a guy that you're be like, this is our starting quarterback? Yeah, I, you know, it, this is it is an unfair position for me to be in in terms of this debate because there's not I don't have a lot of footage to point to right but I think that people were way too hard on him in week one one for weather concerns but also because there were still some great moments from Trey Lance in week one in my opinion um and he had one drive I think in the second game before he got injured um I do think a lot of it earlier I had said I think it entirely hinges on the season and like what they do, I don't know if that's necessarily true. After having thought about it for a while today, after I had said that, so what is that? But even if you initially, don't mean that, so you initially, like initially, if Jimmy wins the Super yeah. Bowl, they're sticking with Jimmy. Initially, that was immediately what I was going to say was that if by some miracle they actually turn out to win the Super Bowl, Jimmy, then can you really be like, okay, bye, <laughs> right? That'd be sure. impossible. But now believing that that won't happen, I feel like it won't really matter how the season goes. They're still going to go with their guy next year, but. 
I don't know. It's certainly fascinating to watch because it, ha- it would have to be a Super Bowl victory, right? Because he's done everything else. He's gotten them there. He's gotten to the title game multiple times, right? So the only thing that he could do that he hasn't yet done for this team is win the Super Bowl, right? What else could change their mind? I, I mean, I didn't have the 49ers getting anywhere near close to the Super Bowl with Trey Lance, but now that Jimmy G's in charge, they are a contender. In okay. Do you think that this injury impacts Lance moving forward? Uh, I, I think it has to in some capacity. I mean... But then again, we see what Jalen Hurts is doing, right? He had an injury that kept him out for a while, and now he turned it on. Like last night, like how could you not pick the Eagles? <laughs> I mean, Some, I saw somebody say that uh, the the United States does not have the proper infrastructure to support a Philly Buffalo Super Bowl because <laughs> everybody was talking about that being possible this morning. But then again, we see what's happening with Dak. I mean, he's been injured countless times, and he seems to like not be able to really truly get his career started either. So, look, depending on the injury, it's all about the perseverance in my eyes. And sure. Every player's different. Sure, yeah. So, luckily, they got a lot of health professionals out there that really bring these players back faster than they used to. So, you know, my heart goes out to him. I hope he bounces back. I still would rather have Justin Fields than Trey Lance. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. I do, I do like Justin Fields. I just want to say that for the just for the record, everybody. <laughs> On the flip side, kind of we're talking about not in an injury that just occurred, but an injury that's possibly coming back. Dak Prescott, you just mentioned him. Uh, so when he got injured week one, everyone was saying, we're looking at half the season. Now uh, Stephen Jones has come out and said, probably not going to be playing Sunday night against the Giants, but we could be really eyeing week four. What was your opinion on this? That? Is the strangest, dumbest thing in the world? <laughs> I don't like. We they were just. Ta- I was literally was just listening to a medical expert on. I forget what podcast I was listening to say that it's nearly impossible for somebody to come back from an, this type of injury this early. And even if they did, they wouldn't be able to grip the ball the way they need to to like throw it like they need to. It's insane to me that anybody in this organization has been like maybe week four. That's insane to me. I mean, what happened to Russell Wilson's fingers back? when he was in Seattle and he tried to come back too early. Like, that wasn't good, right? Yeah. Also, like, of all the teams, there's no team I love to make fun of more than the Cowboys. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Cowboys fans out there. We I do think. have, I will say, a decent portion of our listenership are Cowboy fans. Oh, it's too easy, though. Like, you call yourself America's team and you're just not being America's team. Uh, no, you know, it, they stumble a lot. And I think that, honestly, Jerry Jones gets in the way of that organization too much. I, sure. So... I have said on this podcast, and I said it to our we. There's a a friend of ours, Mike, who comes on the show often to talk about the Cowboys, and we call him our Cowboys correspondent. I have said to him point blank that I didn't think the Cowboys would ever do anything until Jerry decided to not be as involved as he is. So well, I don't know. I'm with you on that. You know, well, we'll see. I don't know, but yeah, I think it's insane. I don't know what you think because this is the one who posted these comments it. about. Yeah, this is insane. I mean, I can't. I can't imagine that he will. It's, I can't. I mean, but this happens. It seems every year with an injury, people like, come back and you're like, whoa. Well, yes, but also being like, oh, this is going to be a two month injury, and then they return in a month or something. I mean, the advances in medical sciences right amazing. i mean there's there's I never a better I time to imagine like this just seems like so far yeah. extreme where yeah. we're like maybe we'll get him back week 10 after the bye and now we're like far more likely and, and i can't believe i'm gonna say this in the cowboys defense i mean they have a giant spotlight on them 
right? I mean, it was kind of removed a little bit when Dak went out, and Rush performed. Like, he went up against it. Cooper Rush has never lost a start in the NFL. (laughs) And with Parsons out there, like, that defense will always stand a chance. That man could play any position. I love Micah Parsons. He's incredible. One of our favorite players. (laughs) Very much so. All right, yeah, let's. Uh, we can talk about some of the great games we saw. Yeah, too. So, and what's also really funny is that uh, two, maybe three of these games, we didn't th- think at certain points of Sunday that they were going to turn out to be great games, and then they did. But I wanted to highlight four specific games to chat about before we got into Thursday night preview, and then next week's picks. Um, but the Steelers, Pats, Dolphins, Ravens, Raiders, Cardinals, Jets, Browns are the four games I wanted to highlight. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Ian's team, the Steelers and the Pats. This was an interesting game to me because it felt like it was there for either team to kind of like take control and run away with it because neither offense was really doing much. Um, but the defense just kept, you know, going at it and nobody did. And it just ended up being like, oh, the Pats are ahead at the end. They win, I guess. Yeah, that is very <laughs> much how it played out. So going back to, to my friend's fortune, how it was very, very wrong we, both of you commented numerous times about how there was just a ton of time for Jones back there in the pocket. No one could get going from a, a pass rush standpoint for the Steelers. What, what's your what's what do you, what do you think about that, Ian? Is, do you think like another week to gel? Sans TJ will help with that. Is that just life right now for the next couple weeks I mean, until TJ gets back? First, it's a credit to Bill Belichick. I mean, I, I, just as a Steeler fan, my whole life, every time we play play the Pats, he's always kept our defense in check. Um, you know, it, it was our first game, well, second game of the season, but we had no sack, and all, and there were only two games last season where we had no sack. One of them was also without Watts. I'm not too concerned yet. I think it was a very conservative game. I think it had to be. A, you're playing the Patriots, right? And B, you're without your defensive player of the year. So I think they sat back a little. Uh, thank God for Mika Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Yo, maybe one of my bold takes will be he'll have another interception next week. Um, I don't know if that's super bold. I think that's a pretty <laughs> pretty good bet. <laughs> I think I think what really happened in this game, there was some mis- miscues. Uh, like that muff punt, it could have been a completely different game. Sure, it, sure. I can't yeah. even tell you the name of the player that muffed the punt because I've never seen the name on the field before. Uh, but penalties it's improved. A f- former Patriot, he could have said, still been. Oh, was it Gunnar Olszewski? Who yeah. was? Uh-huh. Oh, that's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast right there. Uh, you. I think, uh, so aside from that, though, against the Bengals, penalties really murdered us at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. And Tomlin, credit to him, he cracked the whip because they improved to only three penalties for 20 yards. Okay. So I I think discipline was there. I think it was conservative play calling. The biggest issue with the Steelers right now is this ridiculous conservative offense. You have so many good playmakers and I have never been a believer in Matt Canada, and I'm still not a believer in Matt Canada. I think some of it is Mitch. I mean, he he is averaging 4.8 yards a pass right now, which is the lowest in the league. And he said right before the game they, they wanted to get the firepower going. Well, the whole game I was waiting for the firepower to come, <laughs> and it was never there. Uh, so I, I, I don't uh, discredit the fans for chanting Kenny, Kenny twice in the game. I'm just... A little bit baffled by it because I agree I am more Team Kenny than I am Team Mitch, but Mitch isn't the biggest scrub in the world. We're not. I mean, 
we never talked about Chicago putting up 40 points consistently, but he let it rip. I mean, Allen Robinson was a top 10 wide receiver with with uh, Mitch Trubisky. So, like, why is he not letting it fly to some of those really talented wide receivers? Either of you can share your opinions well, on that. Also, a lot of the passes looked a little high, in my opinion, but, you know... Who knows? It maybe the black and the yellow is confusing him a little. He's still getting used to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I I'm with you. I they have a lot of good weapons, and I was a believer in Mitch Trubisky. I said it should be him. Still think it should be him. I don't think that the issues with the offense are that Mitch can't do what he's being asked to do. He's just not really being asked to do a whole lot. I think there were there were some throws that he missed on Sunday. We I, we pointed them out when they happened, but for the most part, when they asked him to go down the field to playmakers, he did. I mean, even near the end of the game, or was it the end of the first half or the end of the... I think it was the end of the first half. They decided to try to go down the field, and he hit a, immediately a quick down the sideline pass to George Pickens, and they were able to kick a field goal at the end of the half, right? So, like, I don't think he's incapable of doing it. I just think that they're not asking him to do it. So I'm, I'm fascinated for Thursday night because I really think that this is going to be a turning point for them. They're either going to become this team that... Uh, doesn't score more than 20 points, and they only win the games if their defense is able to keep them under 20 points, or they're going to become a team that becomes more versatile that can win in multiple ways. And I think it can be done. You just said it. I know that their offensive line is still – there's question marks, right? And I know that. But the reality is is that this team won 11 games with the corpse of Big Ben Roethlisberger last week – or last year. I can say that joke again because Ian's on the show. I told Josh that I wouldn't say it on the show again. But they could do it with Mitch Trubisky. He's he's good. He's not bad. I believe they won nine games. I just want to make sure we correct. Oh, that's true. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was two years. They won eleven two years ago with the corpse. He was still a corpse two years ago, and they won eleven games. Oh, that's all I'm, I'm saying. Not denying that he was a I'm, I'm just uh, I'm credited with eleven wins for the corpse. That's, 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 uh, uh, no, I do also need to credit Bill Belichick again because as a Steelers fan, I've watched this man take away our run game in every game. Even back when we had Le'Veon Bell in the AFC Championship for the last time, they destroyed the run game literally on the first drive, so much so that Le'Veon Bell exited with a groin injury, and then we were never able to get it going, and from then on, we got blown out of that game. So Najee hasn't been able to get going, the offensive line hasn't been protecting Mitch that well, so how can you get the deep passes going? So if we could just work it up front a little bit, I'll, I'll have a little bit more faith in the future, or just like energize our offense with a little bit of youth named Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about the Steelers a little bit later, too, when we get to this in our preview, so I don't want to belabor the point too much. Let's talk about Josh's dad's team, the <laughs> Miami Dolphins, Dolphins against the Baltimore Ravens. Tua Tungavailoa is now 8-1 and one versus Super Bowl winning head coaches. Cool. Actually, has the highest winning percentage in the history of the NFL, minimum six games, I think. Uh, it's the first time in 12 years, this is the most insane stat, by the way, that a team overcame a 21-plus point deficit in the fourth quarter. From 2011 until 2022, teams that were down 21 more were 0-711. Wow. So they are now 1-711 in the last 11 years. Josh, I throw it to you. Yeah, obviously it was very exciting on Sunday to, to see that. Um just because, you know, it hasn't been done in the last 11 years, you know, 711 teams to go ahead and, and, and lose that. So to to see that is is really exciting. I will say for all the off-season drama that the Dolphins go through, went through and 
oftentimes do go through many, many times. I think this is the reason why they ultimately moved on from Brian Flores because Mike McDaniel never got down on Tua. That was a game where Tua would not have finished had it no, been No, Fitzpatrick would have been in. Fitzpatrick, Bridgewater, whoever would have been there given the coaches. Mike McDaniel the entire time, according to him and pressers and whatnot, never got down on anybody. He just said he didn't even care about winning. He just wanted to see improvement. And so to continue to roll out the guys and be like, hey, guys, we can do this. Let's just go or go score a touchdown, and then let's go sc- make a stop. Let's just see improvement as a football team for us to collectively build on. And so I think the, the faith that the team has in themselves now because of a guy like McDaniel is ultimately the reason that they moved off Flores. And I, I think that is really hopeful for the team moving forward because I think if a team believes in themselves, sometimes that can be more important than – just the talent and obviously they have some guys that have some pretty cool epic talent and and waddle and hill and even a guy that's not being utilized a ton in gesicki that we both really like he is able to go up nine feet and snag a touchdown pass to bring it down in the end zone but so not be able to do the touchdown dance just <laughs> no, he commented on that himself too i think there's something in the water down there and, and to bring up your point about clock management uh there was a point towards the end of the game where they were driving down the field and you saw a lot of players kind of motion for the timeout but he, he, he just waited on the sideline. He took his time because he knew he didn't want to give Lamar Jackson the ball back with that much time on the clock. I think they were on, like, the 10-yard line, and there was, like, 25. Well, sure, we were all sitting seconds. in here being like, why aren't you all doing time this? Out, time out. But, no, he trusted the fact that Tua would be able to get them into the end zone, and you do not want to give someone like Lamar Jackson the ball back. Sure, absolutely. A, a coach believed in his quarterback, and his quarterback came through, and they're – you got Nate Hackett that we talked about earlier doesn't believe in his quarterback, so his quarterback can't come through. And I, and I think that uh, it's become a very underrated rivalry, the Ravens and the Dolphins. If you look back at some of their past games, they've all been really close. And what was really exciting about this game was there was barely any penalties. I think the Dolphins committed like four penalties in the whole game. The Ravens had one for five yards. Wow. That was it. It was just a false start. And it was that high scoring. So uh, it was really cool. Tip of the hats, Lamar and Tua for having their best career game. I was going to say, yeah, before I was going to say, I wanted to keep us moving, but I do want to real quick about Lamar before we move on to the next game. Only player in NFL history to have a 75-plus yard rush touchdown and a 75-yard-plus pass touchdown in the same game. I mean, it's just he continues to do otherworldly things, even in a loss. We're in a golden age of just, like, young and yeah, it's exciting. It's it's an exciting time to be in the NFL. So uh, let's move on to the Raiders and the Cardinals, the drunkest of drunk games that I've seen since the playoffs last year. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this game ended in the most wild fashion. The, the Raiders were up 20 to nothing. I was like, ah, we don't need to put that game on. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, this game's going to – is what and uh, the Kyler Murray stat is that on the first two point conversion attempt he ran eighty four point nine yards yes. on the two point conversion yes. attempt to get it and he in twenty seconds in twenty seconds I mean like he literally was the best player on the field and he made all the plays necessary to win the game and I don't know if this says more about the Cardinals or the Raiders and I'll toss that question <laughs> to the two of you but. It takes epic collapses to have epic comebacks, and I think both happened very much so. Epic collapses with the Raiders? What? <laughs> That's wow, point. no way. Uh, please go ahead. So, obviously, you have to tip your cap to Arizona, right? Similar to, there's a statistic about 
the the Cardinals coming back, similar to the the Dolphins coming back. I don't remember what it was, but it was the first time that like these two teams have been able to come back twenty point deficits in X amount of time or whatever. The, and the Cardinals, I just want to say real quick, we're hin- hin- hinging on being possibly the worst team in the NFL if they go down the way they did week one and then go down without scoring in week two. Like, it was very close, and, like, they still might be a bad team and just hit a not-that-great team on a bad day, too. But, like, things were bad. <laughs> he could, Kingsbury they, they, may have been fired. <laughs> they were looking not, not so hot. I will say... Obviously, when you have the player of Kyler Murray, and I want to get your opinion on this because I don't believe that you're the biggest Kyler supporter. That game changed my mind. Okay, okay. I, I want to hear about that because I just don't know how reliable the backyard football is. And that's what got them back in this game. Obviously, running around 82 yards and 20 seconds to go score the two-point conversion. That's going to fail more times than it's going to work. The amount of times that the defender is almost there and just whiffs. That's not going to keep happening. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, extremely good job by the Cardinals to get in the game. Congratulations on the win. Very much deserved to do that. Congratulations. But is it sustainable? Similar to how I don't think the Dolphins win is a sustainable formula for winning. But I just don't don't think that answers my questions about the Cardinals right now. Yeah, I don't—it shouldn't be sustainable. Because when usually when you see a quarterback, I mean, I'm thinking of Ben Roethlisberger, but he was able to shake defenders, stay back in the pocket. You know, it's it becomes their style of play. I think that's a little different. But when you scramble for that long, there's maybe one play, two plays a year a quarterback will do that. But now I've seen Kyler Murray do it a lot. Like he's <laughs> now the king of backyard football. Which shout out to that video game back in the day. Love that one. He would be the first quarterback I'd take in it. Is it sustainable for him? Yes. Others? I don't know. I, the way I see him shake defenders and then chuck the Hail Murray down the field and still win the game, I, I'm so I, I, I Sure, but I will challenge it with this. We've seen it numerous times, but is that related to the collapses that we've seen from Murray the last? Because <laughs> he tries so hard, gets dinged up, and then can't do it later on down the road in the season? It's, I, I think that it's tough, right? Because, what, three years ago, he was the number one fantasy quarterback, I believe, at fantasy points. I believe that. So yeah. he, he put up the points. He yeah, that's two years yards. ago. And so he's, he's time-tested in three years now that he, he can compete. Now, I don't think he will ever be a true pocket passer. I mean, he proves that. So it's, I don't think that the – okay, how about this? I don't think the Cardinals can actually win a championship with Kyle Murray. Okay. I think it's too scrappy. Which is the question. I mean, you pay this guy this much money to you're not paying him to not win a championship, so maybe the answer is no, he can't do it. So let's flip flop and talk about Vegas for a second. Obviously you jump out to that twenty to nothing lead. What happened? Why did McDaniels pull so much off the gas? What happened? I think that there is a possibility that this is a fluke game that the Raiders are still a good team. I haven't given up on the Raiders, but I think that legitimately it's possible that one player just went into an, an otherworldly gear and there was nothing you could do about it and you just throw that tape out. And I think that that's what Sunday was. I really do. Like I don't I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to win the division or anything like that. I obviously have them in the playoffs. I didn't recall them quite yet, right? But I legitimately just think it was a scenario of Kyler went into another gear that we 
were like, oh, how do we do this? And they couldn't stop it, right? I mean, he ran around 84 yards in 20 seconds to score, right? <laughs> it, like, he's doing these things that we don't see done ever to win a game, right? So I don't think that you, you really put a lot of that on the Raiders, at least for me. He uses the force, Baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, the, the, the crazy thing I'll throw out here is, like, were they scoreboard watching? Like, they saw these other teams making these crazy comebacks, and, like, and there was just that, in, like, injected belief in the team going, hey, <laughs> yeah. boys, you know, buckle up. Maybe the Raiders saw it, and they were like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to explain it. It is kind of an anomaly. That's what I said. I I don't. I really. I will not. I'm withholding my opinion on the Raiders until next week. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you guys. I guess you can consider this a cold read. It was something that I posed to you because of the way the game ended, which was when Hunter Renfro. Oh man, Hunter Renfro! And last year, twice, only lost the one though. Correct. Yeah, they got the other one. They recovered the other one. Do so. Last year was really the first year we got to see Hunter Renfro really come on, right? So maybe you could say like that was the anomaly year, and maybe this is more so what he is. But I pose the question: Do you think the addition of Devonte Adams, who is obviously very, very, very good, has gotten in Renfro's head because on the fumble he was trying so much? That's what it was. It wasn't a simple, oh, I caught the ball and got punched. It was I got the ball and now I need to extend and bite this guy. I'm gonna snip, stiff arm this guy. He's trying to do too much because he's no longer being the guy. You know, I, it's human to feel that way, and I feel like Renfro would deny that to his grave, but I feel like you're right. Uh, I, it's tough because <laughs> I also know he wasn't targeted till late in the game. I know it's true. And he only had two catches week one. Yeah, so it could be just lack of targets and and he, he, high-pressure situation, like the Cardinals are on your heels. Like, what are you going to do? But both those hits were also really nasty. And he's also in concussion protocol. I know he's going to be questionable right now for the next game. So... I think it's the. I think you're onto something there. We'll ha- we'll have to see how it plays out. I'm a believer in him, and from what I've heard on other podcasts, he's actually one of the hardest receivers to guard in the league. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of respect for Hunter Renfro, and I am one of those people. I love Hunter Renfro, but I think that's you, why I was so disappointed yeah. that it ended that. Way. I think you might be onto something. I don't. I, don't I just know. think. I mean, even if you saying he wasn't targeted until late, and either was Devonte Adams, which shocked a lot of people, especially as. Devontae Adams only had two catches on Sunday. Two catches, 12 yards. That's it. Right. So <laughs> that a lot of people were baffled by that, especially as Arizona started getting back into it. But just when you don't have the targets, you know there is a future Hall of Famer on the other side. Do you is the human aspect of I have to really yeah. try to impress. I need I to think, make the play. I need to be the guy. I think you might be right. I don't know. That's future interesting. Hall of Famer, Kyler? No, no, Devontae Adams. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Lined up on your side of the field, the well, other side of you. I think you might be right. Uh, uh, so I just want to give a couple of footnotes on the Jets-Browns game. I don't want to spend too much time on it because uh, we are going a little bit long, which is totally okay. Um, but I want us to have enough time for our Thursday preview and Pals picks. Um, so just real quick about the Jets. Did you know Joe Flacco is actually the league leader right now in completions and attempts? <laughs> He's 63 of 103, the most completions and attempts in the NFL right now. Wild. Um, and it's the first time since October 18th, 2015, that the Mets and the Jets both won. So the last time this happened was 2015. And in that game, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw a touchdown to Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. <laughs> and Marshall, shout out UCF. Yeah, uh, and the Jets also snapped their 13-game September losing streak. Uh, Which is wild. Josh, so I, real quick, this is a quick question, because, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I want to give us enough time for everything else. Um, Josh, you had brought up 
Does this mean Salah's going to stick with Joe regardless of the Wilson thing? I want your thoughts on this before we move on from it. So it, it's really hard. It depends. So I think if Salah is in year three of a losing system, maybe because they could be feeling the hot seat a little bit more than he is. But I will say, Zach Wilson has never once thrown for over 300 yards. Now, he's only started his rookie year, right? So he's and he didn't even start the full year that year a, either. It's a, small, it's a small sample size, but he's never thrown for 350, 300 yards. He's only thrown for over 250 twice. Joe has already come out twice this year and thrown for 300 yards. They lost the first one, but they were offensively competitive at least. Yeah, they just didn't score touchdowns. If they would have scored, you know what I mean? They were getting, you know, movement. Now, there was a ton of... Balls that had to bounce the correct way for the Jets to win the game, right? For sure, if right. Chubb doesn't score his final touchdown. He just does the slide or yeah, goes man, out of bounds or whatever. It's game over. So obviously, a lot had to work magically for the Jets to win the game. But I don't know. Like this is this is fascinating. I think it really might come down to how well he just keeps doing. If he yeah. comes out against, um, I can't remember who the Jets are playing this week. I think it's the Pats. If no, it's not the Pats. No, Baltimore's playing. Uh, anyways, if he comes out and lights it up this week. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yes. Oh, they could win that game. If he comes and lights it up, which he could because Cincinnati, I don't think, has shown a ton of defensive fire. And they're going to sack Burrow 12 times. <laughs> uh, you know, that is kind of the time that Zach Wilson could be returning. Sure, yeah. So if Joe Flacco goes and throws three touchdowns and no picks and goes 350, do you do you say let's sit it? Or do you? I don't know. It's, don't know. it's interesting he had, conversation. Yeah, he, uh, he threw forty-four times, three hundred seven yards, and four touchdowns in that game, he, and no sacks, no interceptions. He like and a, two of them to Garrett Wilson, their first-round pick. So I just I thought it was a lot of fun, and obviously yeah. there there is a ton of emotion, good emotions as you come back and make that win. And like you said, I don't know. Would you say thirteen-game September losing streak? Yeah, it's been a just, while. It's the video of. Flacco rounding the corner and taking that that gigantic hug from Salah. He looks so. I'm like, you can't bench this guy. I mean, he's 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 playing with fire. Oh man, I'm just happy for Jets fans right now until it all starts to go south. <laughs> Which it will. So let's go to our Thursday night preview. Let's get Ian's outlook on the Steelers. We talked a little bit about it earlier. So the Cleveland Browns are hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Browns are seventh. Um, and offensively for points for them this year so far, two weeks. Um, thing I wanted to point out though, they're 26th in points against, so people have scored points against them, but they're 15th in defense yards against. So they're somehow not allowing a lot of yards, but a lot of scoring. So that's special teams, that's turnovers, right? Um, the Steelers are 19th in points for obviously their offenses have strong, their offenses struggled. Their defense is the opposite. They are 12th in points scored against them. And 25th in yardage. So they are a bend but don't break semi uh, defense here. And I mentioned that on Sunday. This is something we didn't get into earlier that I wanted your thoughts on. Is that I think that this is the way, this is the path to their defense still being good enough for them to win games is bend but don't break. It happened a couple times in the game against New England where they moved down and the defense is like, no, you're not going any further. You're not going to score, right? I think that's their path to victory is bend but don't break. Open Mitch up a little bit. Uh, what do you think? I, I don't know. Bend but don't break. What else does that? I have no idea. Steel. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. Dang, he teed that up for me, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell me. What is that? <laughs> you got to be really, really strong against Steel. Right? That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I guess I'll start by talking about a few injuries with it. You know, Brissette got injured the last game, but he is expected to play. Uh, 
Jaden Clowney actually left. He's out. In a walking boot. He yeah, out. he's not gonna he play. He's not playing. See, that's already fantastic. Miles Garrett is questionable for the game, and uh, I'd be shocked if he didn't play. That sucks for all my IDP leagues if he doesn't play. <laughs> we'll see because uh, their right tackle Jack Conklin was also inactive. He's their big Pro Bowler. Yep. Uh, yeah. Two games now. We'll see if he stays out. As far as the Steelers go, I mean, we're looking good injury wise. Obviously, not with TJ Watt, uh, but that's. As expected right now, and Devin Bush is expected to play as well. That's good. That's big. So yeah, I saw the over under for this game is thirty eight point five. Typical uh, hard hitting AFC North game, low scoring. But the but the Browns are favored by five, and I don't know about that. And then I saw this stat: Steelers are five and one against the spread in their last six AFC North games, and five and one against the spread versus the Browns. I believe that. So, uh, I look at the Steelers sweeping them last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at all these injuries. I look at the offense really wanting to open up. I mean, what I quote Mitch Trubisky, I want to throw the ball down the field. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally a direct quote. Well, he's no Shakespeare. But <laughs> uh, so, I, I really hope he, he does throw the ball. Please, Mitch, throw the ball down the field, especially to pick him, because that's he's going to be down there. Uh, I will say, my, my bold pick for this game is if the Steelers somehow get blown out, I do expect Kenny to play week four against the Jets. Okay. I love three things about what you just said. Number one, you categorized it as bold, but use the word if. <laughs> number two, what you said isn't bold. If they get blown out, Kenny Pickett's going in this game. And number three, it's not going to be a blowout. Steelers are going to win. Yeah, I, I can't not, <laughs> not pick the Steelers, so... Yeah, no, we're going to have you over for this one. We'll get to see uh, Steelers versus a division rival this time. So you're going to get, get loud. I'm different but mood during division one. What, is, <laughs> what, other than throwing the ball down the field, what are the keys to victory for Pittsburgh in this one? Yeah, I think the keys to the victory are uh, protect the quarterback, number one. The offensive line, it, as long as they can do that and get Najee going with the run game, that's going to open up the passes down the field. Right, and we—that's something we haven't seen yet this season. And honestly, frankly, we haven't seen in the past few seasons. Uh, Najee was a great fantasy asset last year because Ben got really good at checking it down to him. We haven't seen Mitch do that, uh, so I think. Yeah, I know. Our fantasy Najee team more, feels that. <laughs> utilizing Najee more, not just as a back, but also maybe as a slot receiver, I think can really open up. And I think the offensive line is one of the more fascinating. Uh, positions in the NFL to me because I think it is it might be let me think if this is too bold to say I think that the offensive line as a unit is the only group in football that consistently can change its level of play I think that if you're a bad receiver you're a bad receiver if you're a bad quarterback you're a bad quarterback right but I think that if you're a bad offensive line you can improve in season without new players right because i think that as a unit it's something that you do need um you need chemistry you need time to gel you need to know each other as a grouping more so than any other grouping position in the nfl in my opinion which is why i still have hope in pittsburgh to be a really good team because i think if you they have more time they can get better i don't know if that's a silly thing to say but i feel that way i don't think it's silly at all because we always talk about positions there's the receiver there's the running back the quarterback, and then we always say offensive line. No sure. one says the right tackle or the offensive guard. Sure, sure, that's a good point. They are, like you said, a unit. And the best part about that is there's five of them that makes ten arms, ten legs, if I'm doing math correctly. <laughs> uh, 
and if they can all... How many tokes? Oh, wow. <laughs> 100. 100. No, yes, it is 100 tokes. <laughs> uh, Mathis, it's been a while. Uh, so I think to your point, actually, yes, offensive lines can improve simply by communication, simply by syncing up. And th- there is hope for the future, and uh, because to your point, like if a receiver can catch the ball, we saw that with Dante. Are Johnson. you doing the math? Right? I am doing the math. I think it's fifty. It's 50. <laughs> is it 50? Yes, every, five, everyone five, has ten five. toes. I everybody. <laughs> I'm very. I'm lightheaded right now because I spent too much time doing that. It's fifty. But it's a hundred fingers. I was waiting toes. for you to talk to me like, guys, you're not right. <laughs> I thought I was counting it in my head. Listen, talking football and doing podcasts and math is very wow. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on the Thursday night game? So I want to just speak real quick. I don't think what you said is incorrect okay. about an offensive line. Yeah, but I'm gonna kind of go to what you were saying about maybe not believing in Matt Canada because I think offensive line can often also be related to scheme. Yeah, that's and true. How you operate your scheme if you're just we're gonna plow forward or we're gonna be zone and like move side to side. It, those things can obviously play a factor. I don't know that much about how Pittsburgh operates, other than it often seems like they're like, Naj, you just go attack the hole, and there isn't seem to be a whole lot of room being created. So I'll be interested to see if they're, if hypothetically they do get blown out, or if it's too close, or they don't get the running game going, if they start to make season changes in terms of that. Very rarely on this podcast, and people who have been with us for five seasons know, very rarely do I mention my playing past because I didn't play a lot, but I did play some offensive line. And while I always have to have this caveat when I mention having played football, that I played in high school and middle school, I didn't play in, yes, I didn't play in, uh, actually, technically, like I have webbed feet in the middle of my feet. So like technically I don't have to. It's fine. Um, so what I would when I'm swimming it is. <laughs> um, what I want to say is that I know that it's a different level of play, but I think that there are still crossovers in all positions and all levels of football. And I will say offensive lines, especially when I was playing, always get better because you get better at learning how to talk to the guy next to you. And it's a position that you don't need to worry about in other positions in football. Is the guy next to me? What, what? How do I know body language where he needs to be help help a little bit over there more? Or uh, if I know that he is always going to attack at a certain angle, so I need to attack at a different angle to make like there are things that you need to know about the guy next to you that you don't in any other position in the NFL. Yeah. And that's why I think that there is still because it's the only position I'm worried about really. Like I and people might say quarterback, right? I'm not worried about that. I think Mitch or Kenny are fine for them, right? They're way better than Big Ben could ever have been, and, and that's not even a, a no. I meant like oh, at his yeah at his accelerated death age, right? Coming out of a coffin. Um, but every other position, I love. I love their secondary. I know Watts injured, but I still love the depth in their defensive front seven. They have incredible playmakers, right? Like I, the only thing I'm worried about is their offensive line, and I think that it can get better. Is my bottom line. I think. I think what I'll say about Matt Canada is he loves a lot of motion. So, so which know, is normally really good for today's you know, NFL. Not not every play. Every play he runs the motion, and he loves those jet sweeps to chase Claypool. So <laughs> I think it's someone Matt. Claypool looks good. That a few times. It, it worked once. Let's try something new. But also, what's really important is uh, Mitch Trubisky. There, there doesn't seem to be a chemistry with any of the receivers yet. Sure, right? sure. He's yeah. some good passes like that. This uh, Deontay Johnson pass against the Bengals, like. And Deontay had another great catch in the two point conversion. And thank, thankfully, he's been clutch. But uh, we don't see that chemistry like Ben had with like. 
Antonio Brown. Sure, sure, yeah. That takes time. That takes time. Well, sure. I think that's probably attributed to he's new. Sure. Where uh, you asked me my thoughts, um, I really think it comes down to, in my opinion, it doesn't come down to, but a very large important factor that we haven't talked about is the corner play specifically for the Steelers. I think I need to see Sutton and Witherspoon step up. We The Steelers have had some really great defensive backs, but I, as great as Fitzpatrick is, and he... I, fully believe he deserves to be talked as one of the top safeties in the league it can't just solely be on him we don't have that guy right now in my opinion that i've seen be rah-rah even hayden when he came over he brought some of that rah-rahness i think i need to see because the browns started i mean i think the browns go through the ground in my opinion but we yeah. start, we started to see Amari yeah. cooper come on a little bit i think we need to see clamp down because if we don't have tj watt that can get there in Two seconds, we need a little bit of time. Sure, that's a good yeah, point. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, ever since we lost Mike Hilton, the corners have been lacking. I will say Sutton had some big plays. He uh, he almost had some interceptions. He had some uh, he had Was some Sutton the, the bread basket yes, drop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and then and while he uh, messed up a few times, he did come clean with some deflections. So, you know, he's there. I, I, speaking to your point about the Browns running through the ground, traditionally they love to run it down our throat. So well, if we can stop the the run game with Chubb and and uh, Hunt. Then. Most of the big pass plays for New England came because Mac Jones had twenty seconds to throw the ball. I don't think it's because the corners were necessarily playing poor. Guy. He had a lot of time, yeah. but regardless, we'll we'll get to your pick when we get into <laughs> Pal's picks here. Although I will say this is a very important question, and the entire rest of the episode hinges on Josh's answer. Oh, can you hand me the charger? Otherwise, my laptop's gonna die. Oh, <laughs> Do you not have your charger plugged in? <laughs> okay, we're fine, guys. We're gonna be great. <laughs> we don't. We're an uncut version of simultaneous sketch. We used to. We used to do like early on in our show. There we go. We're good. Early on in our show, we used to do this thing called Stat Guy, where we because we were recording on the same mic, so we could pause and like not have to worry about editing things. And Josh would edit in a typewriter thing when we would check a stat. It's normally when we were fighting about something and I was wrong about the stat. <laughs> but regardless, all right, now it's time for Fantasy Corner. Is that true? I don't know. No, I have the rundown right in front of me. What? Oh, Pal's Picks. Yeah. Now it's time for... Pal's Picks. Oh, yeah. We did that. That's fine. <laughs> we did... Was that when we started living together, we started that? Or did we do that all the way back to our first season? I'm pretty sure we... I don't know. Don't I don't know how long there. it's been. But that just became a... It was a tradition that we did, so it's fine. So, we got Pal's Picks. Give him the rundown, Pal, on how last weekend went horribly for me. Uh, no, it didn't go horribly for you. It went horribly for me. <laughs> I went 0-3 with some collapses uh, thrown in there, which was not fun. You went 2-1. Wait, I thought I went 1-2. No, but never mind, I guess right. I was wrong. So you were ahead of me, so it's all downhill from here. I have an <laughs> overall record of 2-4 and four right now. You are sitting at 3-3. Three and three. Gonna get back Ooh. on track. So in our, in our entire history of Pals Picks, Ian... Uh, I don't know if you heard this, but I've won four straight seasons with a handful of asterisks. <laughs> um, but it's kind of a sore spot for Josh, but uh, it's still a great segment otherwise. I think what we can do would be really fun is, so it was uh, your turn to give the games to me first this week. I think what we can do is, um, because there's three games for Ian to pick, right? I think what we can do is you can give me 
uh, give me a game, and then we'll, Ian will pick one of his games, and then I'll pick one of my games. Does that work? I feel like you are making it so complicated. So why don't you go? Oh, so then, so then what we'll do is you go. You give me the three games. We'll give Ian's three games, and then we'll do my three games. Is that fine? Sounds good. All right. So go ahead. You start. All right. So the first game I'm giving you, Adam, is the Houston Texans oh. traveling to the Chicago Bears. I had to think about this one for a while, and I looked up stats for Chicago because I really wanted to pick Chicago. Chicago's been bad, guys. Like, I know their defense was really good week one, and uh, you know, there was a monsoon, and I I raved about their, their picks and stuff, but they've been bad. And Houston's been surprising, right? Davis Mills has looked pretty good. Their defense has got a lot of veterans just kind of rotating in with those youngins, and I like some of their offensive pieces, Damon Pierce included. So what this really hinged on for me was which running game was going to have the better day. And I really wanted to say Chicago because I liked what Herbert and Montgomery did against Green Bay. But what was even bigger was what Aaron Jones did against Chicago. I think this is a big Damian Pierce game. I think Houston wins. Interesting. I think I agree with you on the pick, but I think I disagree about the running game. I feel like yeah. Chicago could have a better running game. They could for sure, but Aaron Jones I know is awesome and just sliced through that defense so how about the packers traveling down to tampa to take on the bucks uh i'm gonna consider this is gonna be your team that you're gonna be able to give to me all year and i'm gonna pick wrong because i refuse to pick the bucks i have given you the bucks every week and i got it wrong both times (laughs) so i'm gonna go with the packers i'm going with the packers in a double digit victory wow yeah i again i'm sorry i think all the receivers are out are out for the bucks there's no shot that Cole Beasley, if Cole Beasley does play, there's no shot, in my opinion, that he has any impact in this game four days after signing with the team. That doesn't make any sense to me. So he's on the practice squad right now. He's not on the roster. I'm pretty positive that Cole could just run out, run a curl, and Brady could hit him. You know what? I said the same thing when the Bills traded for Kelvin Benjamin four years ago. I was like, he can run a fade route, and they didn't do it. So that's all I'm saying. Bills didn't have Tom Brady. It's fine. Anyways, last it's fine. Game, Green Bay going... in a double-digit victory. All right. Going to – this is the Sunday night game. Raiders at Monday. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Cowboys take on the It is Monday night. It is Monday night football. This is very exciting because <laughs> the, the Giants always find ways to lose to the Cowboys. But this is a different Giants team. This is Brian Dable's team. And the Giants are going to beat the Cowboys. Saquon Barkley is going to be – Yep, okay. Saquon Barkley is going to go nuts in this game. He's going to – I want to see – the one thing I want to see more than anything is I want to see Micah Parsons and Saquon Barkley just have like a massive collision, Right. I don't care what kind of like yardage gained it is. I want to see the two of them run into each other and then like smile and be like, yeah, PSU guy. <laughs> All right. So Adam took the Texans on the road against the Bears, the Packers on the road against the Bucks, and the Giants at home against the Cowboys. All right. So like we said, Ian, normally when we have people, guests on our show, they pick our team's games, right? Uh, normally you would have four games to pick because we normally give Dolphins and Packers, but... One of them is the same. So we have the Buffalo Bills traveling to Miami, possibly the game of the week at 1 o'clock, Bills versus Dolphins. Has Both to be said that whoever you pick for any of these, we, we won't be like, oh, you're not our friend. Yeah, between a, a Dolphins fan over here and a Packers fan, and then a Bills fan over here, it's, uh, it's a lot. I'm, this is actually the game I'm most excited for this week. Uh, so... 
I'm going to go ahead and pick the Bills uh, because okay. I don't think they can be stopped. Okay, uh, yeah. I think uh, here, to quote Tyree Hill, uh, the Dolphins will enter with, quote, their cojones in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and that's never good because uh, the other team doesn't need a wheelbarrow. <laughs> so the Bills are 4-0 in the 2020s against the Dolphins, so I'm going to pick the Bills 33-27. Ooh, okay. The Josh Allen. I, th- all, I just wanted to be a close game. Yeah, I, I wanted want. to be close game. I, I will say, I think Josh Allen is 7-1 and one in his career against the Dolphins. That sounds right. And the one loss was Charles Clay dropped the game-winning touchdown mm-hmm. pass. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, second game that we're giving you is the, we just it was in Pals Picks, but we're the Buccaneers hosting the Green Bay Packers, and I saw you tweaking as I was saying double-digit victory for the Packers, so this is going to be interesting. I don't think it'll be a double-digit. You know, we all know about Thomas Brady. Whatever. And I have learned the hard way to never, ever bet against that man. I'm going Bucks here because okay. Brady can't be denied. In the, quote, geriatric bowl, Barry, <laughs> Brady finds a way to win, leaning on his defense, taking advantage of young playmakers on the Packers. Uh, fun fact, Brady is 3-1 versus Rodgers. That's true. Uh, I believe played four times, which is crazy. And I'm going 27-24 Bucks. Okay. Another great game. And then here we go. I, we know what you're going to pick. <laughs> tell us but why it happens, though. Is it the shirt? Is it the hat? <laughs> tell, tell us Thursday why it happens. night football. <laughs> yes. Steelers traveling to Cleveland. Steelers because I'm not not going to pick them. Um, <laughs> also, I never believe in the Browns and can't ever uh, even bring myself through for them, uh, even when they play the Ravens because of the whole Watson deal. I'm kind of anti-Browns this whole season. Sorry, that's just personal feelings. And I, I don't think you have to apologize for that. I'm pretty anti-Browns, too, for that reason. But uh, We'll see how it plays out towards the end of the season. And, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm going uh, I'm going Steelers here in a close one. A nail-biter, 1917, low score. That sounds like a like a typical NFC, odd AFC numbers, North, odd-numbered. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've seen the 17-14 game, the, the 13-10 games, right? Um, so, yeah, I believe that. Makes sense to me. All right. So now we go to Josh's three games. So Josh picked his games first. So I had to pick from the rubble. But I thought I picked three games that might trip you up a little bit. We've got the Washington Commanders, the one and one. This is the Carson Wentz revenge game. The 2-0 and Philadelphia Eagles coming in. Yeah, so I don't think it's a revenge game until Carson goes to Philadelphia. I feel like that might be intentional. (laughs) I think coming off the victory last night, because I thought the the Vikings, I don't know if I thought the Vikings were going to win, but I thought the Vikings were going to make it competitive. And they looked like they were JV playing against NFL players. That's true. The Eagles right now, the addition of of, uh, Brown is paying leaps and bounds, in my opinion, right now. And for the first time in a long time, I remembered why I thought Darius Slay was one of my favorite corners in the league. That's true. He locked down possibly one of the best or the best wide receiver. That in the was league. definitely the most shocking thing this week for me. So I think he will have a really good battle against Terry McLaurin. I think it's gonna be a ton of fun. But right now, until I see a full game from the Commanders, I still think the Commanders are a very good team that I like a lot. But until I see 60 minutes of football, I'm not going to pick them in this matchup. I think the Eagles are a more well-rounded team. Okay, awesome. Uh, Let's go down to Carolina. Carolina Panthers hosting the New Orleans Saints. Two teams coming off just weird weeks, and the Saints crumbled, and old Jameis, the 30-for-30 Jameis, showed up. (laughs) Sure did. Sure did. (laughs) 
The thing is, right now, I, I don't like either of these teams. I obviously had somebody winning the division because we had to. <laughs> I had the Saints winning the division. But I'm just kind of shocked at the Panthers right now because I never thought they were going to be world beaters, but I thought they were going to be better than they are. Right now, the thing is, I just don't believe in the Panthers' defense, which during their hot streak last year was really pretty dominant. It was very good, yes. Through four games, they have or two games, excuse me, they have four sacks. That's just not going to get it done. I They don't have, I uh, think they might have one interception, if that's even true. They might not have any turnovers on the defensive side, so maybe they have their chance to get right against Jameis here and finally get that. But just the weapons right now, I'm leading Saints. I'm going to take the Saints on the road. I know the best thing to do for podcasting is, like, leave a hook for next week. Um, but I'm not going to leave anything to surprise here. My recall next week will be the division for the NFC uh, South if the Panthers lose this game. Sure. That's going to be my recall. So uh, the Tennessee Titans, last but not least, 0-2 Titans, one really close game against the Giants and one not-so-close game against the Buffalo Bills. And the Raiders, 0-2, losing two close games, one of which in crazy fashion. We talked about it earlier on the show. Who wins this one? Yeah, so this one I think is honestly probably the toughest game that you gave me in my opinion because I don't know which Raiders team's going to show up. And you can kind of say the same for the Titans, but I feel like while the Raiders are definitely not the Bills, we saw, and even the Giants to some extent, we saw the formula of beating the Titans this year, at least early on, is that you slow down Henry just a little bit because their wide receivers aren't doing a whole lot. So... You have to take everything in sample size, right? So last week, while the Cardinals were struggling, they were only averaging a little over three yards of carry. Then Connor got hurt, and during the comeback, Darrell Williams broke a long one. That His stats are a little more inflated, in my opinion, because of that. He didn't really average eight yards of carry. Um, so I feel like they can clamp down on Henry a little bit, and I do think mcdaniels is going to be like oh yeah i have a lot of really good weapons i'm going to get them the football let's throw it a little bit good more point. to caleb farley and he's your favorite corner last year i did really like caleb farley i'm gonna take the raiders i'm really torched. nervous about it because eventually the titans need a get right game i thought it was going to be against buffalo not in a win but in sure, impressive but in, showing at sure least, and yeah they definitely didn't show up at all yeah maybe it happens here but i'm gonna go all three road teams i was just gonna say josh goes road warriors as a recap he's got eagles on the road against the commanders saints on the road against the panthers and the raiders on the road against the tennessee titans i will say i'm the road warrior but you guys also have two of your three teams respectively on the road it's true. We do. Uh, Ian Wood wins in the NFL this week, according to us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, cool. Yeah. That's all I got, right? <laughs> good? All right. So let's go to our – let's do – I do have a couple cold reads. Um, and then, Ian, we'll toss it to you if you have – they said you have a question or two. Um, for If we have any new listeners, I realize that I had to explain this to Ian before. Uh, we have a lot of segments that are on the show. And one of them is cold reads. And – uh, Josh and I are very big theater people. Obviously, Ian is too. The reason Ian's you here are. is because Ian's in our theater's production right now, and we found out that he's a football fan. So, But Josh and I are, and in theater, a cold read is normally when you're at a callback, and they give you the script cold, and you have to read it without knowing it, for those of you who don't know. They're usually terrified. They're, yes. <laughs> I, I, Do you feel terrified by this? <laughs> a little. So, so the idea is that we give each other questions that we didn't prep for. Obviously, we have prep work for other questions. So, Josh, my first of my two questions is, if you had to bet right now, like put 
money on it. Mm-hmm. Who was the first coach fired? Oh my God, that's amazing. That was my cold read for you. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, friends. <laughs> <laughs> no. The first coach to be fired, I think, is something that we probably talked about. So I will say, caveat, if the Cardinals lost, my answer was Cliff Kingsbury. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was but that they close. around, so I feel like they got a little more wiggle room with that. My answer is Matt Rule. Ooh, okay, okay. Definitely if they lose, it's going to get harrowing very quickly. Um, uh, I talked about it. The reason that I, I don't even actually remember exactly how we fr- you phrased a question during our NFC preview. I think it might have been about why I do or don't believe in Baker, but it just came down to coaching staff. And I just think that Matt Rule is not getting it done right now. I think I, they haven't scored over 20 points in either game thus far. So that that's pretty abysmal, and you know when you're when you're in these games where you're not also, the Giants only scored twenty one, I believe, on them. It might have been twenty two. When you're in those kind of games, that even though I said that their defense isn't playing with a ton of fire, you need to inspire your team to go and at least score three touchdowns. So right now, I just feel like those guys they're not doing it. We've seen it not only. But they've gone through a plethora of players where he's like, I'm going to get the best out of this guy. I'm going to get the best out of this guy. I'm going to bring this guy in, and it's going to work. And it never works. So I just feel like eventually I had to be like, I know we gave you this really large contract. We kind of rewrote the book when we did this, but it's just not working. Yeah. Ian, who do you think? I'm going to piggyback right off of that. I, you're, I'm with you on that. He's had, what, three years now, and he has one of the best playmakers on his team in Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and it's more proof that co- coaches coming from the collegiate level just don't find a lot of success in the NFL. No, well, they don't. That's very true. Um, cool. My second question. Well, uh, no, you oh, got to sure. answer because that was yeah. my question. Um, so it was going to be Kingsbury or I was going to mention Matt Rule. I do still – I haven't given up yet. I'm very close because they, they <laughs> lost two close games, right? It would be different if they blow, got blown out, right? They're two close games. They could have. They could easily be 2-0 right now. So I haven't given up on that yet. I'm sorry to say this. I think my answer is Mike McCarthy. Ooh, okay. I think, and I know, and I know there's like the injury things, but I think that um, I'm all, I'm all over. I, I I mentioned my Jerry Jones thing earlier, but I do think that like Jerry's going to come to a point in the middle of the season where the Cowboys are still not winning this division because even if Dak were healthy, I'm certainly not picking them now with all their other teams ahead of them right now. Um, I think he's going to come to a point where he's like, I have generational talents at multiple levels on both sides of my ball, of the football here, and I'm not winning my division this year. That's unacceptable. And I think you need to get another guy in there. Okay. So and that, who's going to get in there? Sean Payton? You know, there are a lot, a lot of stories about this. And, you know, if you asked me about this when I was younger, I'd be like, that's silly. But I feel like normally these crazy stories end up being true. I fully believe Mike McCarthy gets fired and Sean Payton's their coach next year. Okay. That, if I had to put money on it. So um, next question. So they mentioned this, I think, on Monday night. But since the playoffs expanded two years ago, if a team has started 0-2, they have not made the playoffs. None of them. Which is crazy because there's an extra team. So you would think people would have uh, room to get there. But no, if the team starts 0-2, they don't make the playoffs. So right now, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 teams that are 0-2. I want you to pick one that you think is most likely to break that trend. We have the Cincinnati Bengals. The Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Tennessee Titans are all 0-2. Now we have the uh, Texans and the Colts that are 0-1-1, but between the 0-2 teams, pick one. Two losses. Um, so just that I believe could versus actually will. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, like pick. I mean, I guess if you have two different answers, give the two answers. <laughs> um. So I think because of the state of the division right now, I could see your pseudo team, the Falcons, doing it. I Ooh, think they that's fun. have some pieces. I really liked Drake London coming on last week. He yeah, he was good. He was good. He was highly touted and one of the first wide receivers taken. Was he the first wide receiver taken? Yes, he was. So the first wide receiver taken, I really like that. Obviously, it's a new system, new system kind of, because he played with him years ago. But Mark is coming in, and they showed a lot of fight in that game. That it was they, fine. I was very excited. That they could have laid down and been like, well, we're the same old Falcons, so we stink. And we're just going to be like, oh, well. But they showed a, a ton of fight, and I really liked that. And so with the state of the division, we'll have to see because I, I'm not betting against it, but I could see your theory about Tampa falling off. Obviously, if we see the 30-for-30 Jameis come back, I just said that Matt Rule very well could be fired. With that being said, I could see them doing enough to be like, I'm going to get that seven. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, This might be a little blasphemy. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Simply because they were in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. I hate how much I like Joe Burrow. He's just I do think he's – I think he's a likable quarterback. Joe Burrow hasn't won a game. Without an appendix. <laughs> Higgins had a good game. But uh, so Burrow has been forced right now to keep the ball underneath. I do think they will start exploiting defenses. I do trust in the new offensive line that they have so much that it scares me the next time the Steelers play the Bengals. And yeah, I mean, he he's a bad man, that Joe Burrow. And he, he's proved, especially towards the end of last season, that it, when it's time to start crunching those wins, they do, even if they're super, super close. Uh, my answer was the Raiders, but that's all I'll say. And I'll toss it back to you. Those are my cold <laughs> reads. Uh, so we already answered the first coach to be fired. We talked about, my question was, if Joe Flacco comes out and does very, very well, do they consider sitting Zach? We already talked sure, about that. Sure, we talked about that. So I guess I'm just going to throw a low-hanging softball here. Uh, last week I asked you about Amon Ross St. Brown tying the record of consecutive games with eight passes or more do you think he officially sets the record this week and becomes the sole owner with nine consecutive games one word answer absolutely okay who the lines play this week the the vikings whoa okay okay uh i'm gonna just be different here and say no <laughs> he catches like... seven passes <laughs> It's not easy, right? There's a I know, reason. yeah. I'm not it's, saying it's, it's easy. Not easy. Yeah, there's a reason why that's an incredible stat. I mean, I will hedge that with a bet on DraftKings or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very cool. Well, Amon Ra, that'd be a ton of fun. We're rooting for you to do that. Sure, yeah. Uh, Ian, you said you had cold reads? Yeah, I got some questions here. <laughs> uh, and these are actually kind of fun because it's, it's, uh, they're caveated to your teams here. So the, the first one I'll ask is, did the Packers look good the other night? Or were the Bears just being the Bears? Oh, sure. So I think um, 
I will lean more towards the Bears being the Bears, but we saw the progress that Green Bay needed to do to get where they wanted to be or where they want to be, in my opinion. Was it good? I mean, there was still some sloppy football out there. There was Aaron Rodgers throwing some Aaron passes where they shouldn't have been, but there were also times when he got outside the pocket and put dimes in the bread baskets, which is what you want to see. That's the Rodgers that, at least I know, that I very much love and respect as a, as a player on the field. Um, but there was also missed tackles that, that needs to get addressed. That was a bugaboo mid-season into late before they kind of clamped down against San Francisco. That needs to get corrected in my opinion, but, uh, I think definitely a move in the right direction. But Adam posed a question to me last week was on the bear side, were we about to see kind of a resurgence of the bears or were the bears, what they were going to be? And I think that is what we what we saw now should i think the game actually should have been closer i think justin fields was in but because of technology and camera shots and not being able to just have one guy in his way if one guy wasn't there it would have been a touchdown i have no qualms with that but i still don't think if they score that touchdown that means green bay loses well, that was almost why i picked the bears because i was like the bears really were like a bad call away from being in the game against the packers but yeah i don't know Sure. I think the so a little bit of both. I think Chicago was. Josh Chicago and I both have the Packers in the Super Bowl. I don't getting know you... cute, but I I liked what I saw in terms of Elton Jenkins. I think he brought a level of confidence where they're like, we're gonna run and we're gonna run well. And they're still missing Bakhtiari. And so eventually, maybe we get him back someday. Maybe that will be good as well. So, yeah, I liked what I saw. I think it was progress that we needed to because free Aaron Jones for my fantasy life that you talked about. It's the the. They didn't play in the preseason, and I think that hurts them. And so I think it's it's a very similar script of last year. They didn't win a good game against the Lions, but it was a springboard to, to better things. Yeah, can you imagine putting on a show without rehearsal? I mean, you got to have those preseason games. <laughs> uh, the other question I have is, uh, is about the Bills. Um, do you think that the Bills can win a Super Bowl without an actual running back? Yeah, I th- so I'm tr- I've tried hard, and I maybe I, I I I'm not doing a good job. I'm trying very hard not to be a, an annoying Bills fan because of how good we've looked. Because I'm very nervous about that. I think you, it's obvious that it's really hard to win a Super Bowl. You want to hit like your hot streak at the right moment. I'm fearful that we're hitting it too early. Um, but what I want to say <laughs> is I can get passionate about this. I think people are freaking nuts. And I would have said the F word here. This is how much I get heated about this. We have three good running backs. Okay. I don't even like Zach Boss and he's a good running back. Okay. We just don't commit to it when we don't want to. There were literally two years ago, people freaked out and they were like, both of them can't run the ball. And then the very next game we played the Jets, both of our running backs had 90 yards and touchdowns. Right. If we wanted to give Devin Singletary the ball 20 times a game, he'd have a hundred yards game. Mm-hmm. I fully believe it. Right? If we wanted to give Zach Moss 20 times a game, he wouldn't have 100 yards, but he'd probably score a couple times. If we wanted to force feed the ball to James Cook, I fully believe he'd have 100 scrimmage yards and a touchdown, right? We This is not what we do. I think we totally have the capability to run the ball if we wanted to. We just, A, don't need to because Allen and the uh, passing offense is so good, and B, have really never wanted to. I will just challenge that. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. If you had to, and teams pin their ears for it consistently, sure. I don't know. Well, and I, I agree. I think Singletary is great yeah, back. Yeah. If he has 20 carries one game, he can absolutely go for 100. Sure. But if you give him 20 the next game, is he going to do it again? And the last time Singletary had 20 carries was like 
I don't think he even got there last year, right? Like, I think the last time Devin Singletary was given 20 carries was in, like, week five against Washington, his rookie year, and he had 150 scrimmage yards. Like, I genuinely think Singletary is a very good back. It's just that's not what our offense does. And, I like, I think it's so overblown. Like, I am so sick and tired of Jeff Saturday on Get Up saying, they can't run the football. That's going to be an issue one game. It, it Stop, okay? Just because teams don't run the football. <laughs> like, like we saw a team that their only conduit to a victory is running the football on Monday Night Football. Derrick Henry only had 25 total yards. You got crushed, okay? Like, it's not as important as I think, as much as I'd like it to be, because the running back is my favorite position in the NFL. Um, but it's not as important as it used to be. And I think that if we genuinely needed to pin our ear backs and do it, we would. Yeah, and, and, I, could. and I just want to say for the record, that's the most heated I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, did, it did warn us a little bit there. But so, there, is something, there is something to say about teams. They almost seem to forget about Josh Allen running the football. Yeah, and in, in week one, he ran it 10 times, and he didn't do it as much in this game. And I'm so glad that he didn't because I don't want him to get hurt. But when we get into the playoffs, he's going to carry it 10 times in those games, and he's going to be awesome. Early on in this podcast, and especially in our like live days at Penn State, I was like like that all the time <laughs> so i've gotten a lot more timid um and collected but every now and then i do that part of me out. it's still early this season though i'm trying to save it, Enjoy it right now awesome. <laughs> yeah i'm excited and i think that and i said uh, our our friend mike cowboys correspondent asked me well didn't ask me about it we were talking about it and i was like i think we're just gonna find out so much about both of our teams on sunday because I do think it could end up being a shootout. It could be like, what I really want more than anything, and I I, I thought you were going to give me Miami-Buffalo, Josh. So I was I'm, I picked Miami to win this game because I think that we're going to be riding too high and that the Dolphins are coming off this like, oh my gosh, we believe moment, right? Whereas I think for us, we might be licking our wounds a little bit. We have some injuries. I think we might be riding a little too high. We need like... Someone's going to hit us in the mouth eventually. Um, but what I want more than anything is this to be the new Marino Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. I want Tua versus Allen for the next 10 years because I love both those players, and I think they're both very good. Now, obviously, one, it's not a bold thing to say for Allen. It might be for Tua, but I think we saw what Tua can be last week. So, Okay. All right. So We don't need to talk about our fantasy. We don't need to talk about Fantasy Corner. We'll skip that. Uh, do you have a friend's fortune? Yeah, but I don't know if we all need a round of the room. I think right we'll now. We'll just do it together? Okay. So you go ahead. I'm we'll go down the line. Down the line. So this is just a, a bold prediction right mm-hmm. now because we're not doing a well, – let's surprise each other. Sure, that's fine. I Like I, I shouted this player out earlier. Uh, maybe this is absolutely insane for me to say given the state of the team and their annual falling on their faces. Drake London. I think Drake London goes over 200 yards to the week in Seattle. Wow. I love that. Wow, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it at home with the Steelers and keep uh, relatively feasible. Uh, uh, I think, it's not the name of the game. I know, but I, I guess it's more of a pipe dream. I, relatively feasible predictions. I don't think Mitch Trubisky... Oh, you know what? No, I'll make it even better. A fun stat. In the past 50 years of the NFL, 200 quarterbacks have thrown a pick six. Mitch hasn't. Of all yes. the active quarterbacks, yes. Mitch Trubisky is the only quarterback that hasn't thrown a pick six. 
It's awesome. Oh, that's a good one. I like, I like that. that. That's fun. I was going to go Thursday night, but I'm not because you went Thursday night. I'm going to go on our game. I'm going to go Miami Buffalo. I'm going to say both quarterbacks have each have four plus total touchdowns, and they both both teams score 30 plus points in a shootout game. All right. That's where I'm going. Um, all right, Ian. Thanks for being with us, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we normally when we have our guests on, we're like, hey, what are you doing? Like, what do you do? Like, you want people to follow you. So go ahead and if you want to like, what are you doing next? What's your, do you have a next project? Do you want you plug your social media, whatever? Uh, yeah, I'm at the Greenbrier Valley Theater doing a Midsummer's Night. We have, uh, did I say that wrong? No, you got no, it right. Yeah. It's like, what show yeah. am I in? Uh, it's a lot of Shakespeare, so it's easy to confuse. Uh, we got one more weekend left of that, so if you're around West Virginia, come check us out. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, yeah, man. my handle is at I, the letter C, my last name, Kramer, I C Kramer. Uh, you can uh, follow all my, my traveling and around the world. And we will, everybody listening, we will tag Ian in our Instagram post when we post the episode, so you'll be able to follow him through there. Um, if you're in the Run Your Pool, guys, do your picks, okay? I can't be editing them every week, all right? <laughs> Do your picks, or I'm going to win again and buy myself another T-shirt. That's all I'm saying. Is anybody that hasn't played yet already out? Is So, like, should they not join? That's a question for you. No, I mean, in theory, I, in theory, people have, like, it's not impossible yet. You could still join if you really wanted to. Like, you would have to do really well for, uh, like, the rest of the season, but... The playoffs are worth two points versus one point. So you could catch up, get to a certain point, and do really well in the playoffs and still win. So if you're still interested, it's the link is still on Instagram. So if you want to join the Run Your Pool. Win um, some team apparel. I've got, two, I've got one tidbit that we missed. The one tidbit that I missed is the only players in the Super Bowl era with at least three career uh, games with 140-plus uh, receiving yards and three touchdowns. Um, Jerry Rice with seven, Randy Moss with four, Marvin Harrison with three, Tyreek Hill with three, and now Stefan Diggs with three, two of which with the Buffalo Bills. Anything else, pal? That is all. That was an action packed episode, guys. Uh, Thanks for being here, buddy. Yeah, man. Really exciting. Sorry for making it long. No, dude, that's okay. We normally, honestly, early on, we wanted to be under an hour, and then it turned out to be like an hour and 45. Then we got it to like an hour and a half. Now it's. All over the place. But. This is how I met them, was talking football <laughs> yeah. and getting yelled at, hey, get back to rehearsal. It's okay. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch, guys. Like I said, do the Run Your Pool. We are on Twitter at Simult Catch and Simultaneous Catch on Instagram. Mm. Anything else? God bless, guys. Go Steelers.